G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 16 Preview Edition, uh, full deck of nine games. Of course, the buy round's well and truly over. Plenty of news going on. We're getting towards the pointy end of the season. The ladder in a state of flux. Things very compacted at the top. It's all set up for a dramatic finish. Uh, we, of course, are always proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to our great supporters at Palmerbet. Uh, big hello to Lee and all the guys out there. They do a great job. Always remember to gamble responsibly, of course. As uh, So big hello to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw, you've had a bit of a uh, bit of a operation this week, Shawy. Are you okay? Yeah, it's good. I had a um, I don't know what the technical name is. Just uh, just let's say it's a a, um, a buggered finger, and um, yeah, well, got looked I, up. I, I saw it. It was at right angles. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. right angles. Yeah, the tendon shrinks, and oh, don't worry about it. It's all bandaged up, and uh, I can't drive. Um, I'm a right-hander, so I've had to, uh, and I want to apologise from the word go, uh, tongue-in-cheek, I've had to write all my notes left-handed, Rowan. Now, <laughs> some people might say it sounds like you do that every time with some of the <laughs> names you get wrong, but, uh, yeah, I've had to write left-handed. So if I stop halfway through a sentence, you know I'm in trouble. Well, uh, you can. I can balance that. I'm very left-sided, <laughs> Robert. In fact, my joke to everyone, I'm left-handed and uh, people Are know... You? People know yeah, my my politics, so uh, oh, no. there's, there's nothing there's nothing that's on the right for me. Uh, well, I'll I'll see if I can decipher it for you if you get into any issues. Uh, all right, plenty of news to talk about. Then nine games to preview. Let's get straight into it. On footyology news feed. Well, the big news, as we knew it would be, is uh, Tom Stewart's hit on Dion Prestia. Uh, we knew there were going to be severe consequences of that, and uh, there have been. He was referred to the tribunal, and on Tuesday night, he was handed a four-match ban for that bump on Dion Prestia. Uh, the Cats accepted uh, match review officer Michael Christian's classification of the bump as careless, high contact and severe impact. Uh, now, by the uh, AFL formula, that would ordinarily attract a three-game penalty, as was dealt to Paddy Dangerfield last year for a rough conduct charge on Jake Kelly. But uh, Tribunal has argued uh, that... Uh, sorry, the AFL prosecution has argued that Stewart breached his duty of care by a, quote, considerable margin, and the tribunal agreed. And, um, well, first off, Rob, do you think that's a fair, an appropriate penalty? Yeah, you asked me two or three days ago, and um, uh, three's too low. I think five's, 
uh, with the careless category in there. I think five was probably, um, yeah, I, I said four and I, and, uh, I was re- pretty confident with four. Month out of footy. Uh, so I, I think they got it spot on, Ron. Yeah, look, I, I feel like it's right too. As I said, uh, I did cop a bit of stick for tweeting a couple of weeks at least. Um, no context given to that tweet at all. But uh, no, I, I think four's right. I guess it's interesting to speculate had Prestia been, uh, and not saying he's not hurt, incidentally, just because he wasn't carried off on a stretcher doesn't mean there won't be consequences for him. But superficially, at least, the damage for him uh, looked a bit less than it was for Kelly with Dangerfield. Had he been carried off on a stretcher, would that four have become five or six? You wonder. And this is where we're always in that grey area about uh, intent versus consequences. One thing that Tom Stewart couldn't argue was that the intent was pure because it wasn't. Um, And look, he put his hand up and copped that. And uh, it's been, I guess the whole thing's been interesting to me about changing attitudes. Like right from the word go, no one was even going to pretend that this was anything less than a serious offence. And I guess if we're serious about protecting the head and um, all the consequences of concussion, that's the way it has to be, isn't it? No, it's very serious, and uh, just because he didn't come off on a stretcher. Um, but you're quite right about uh, intent and consequences. Um, it would have been, oh, what am I saying? I was going to say it would have been a bad look if he came off on a stretcher, the game's halted. Um, does that mean that you add two weeks to it? I think it's a bad look. I think there's consequences for the young lad, uh, Prestia, to come off in the arms of two trainers, obviously significantly dazed, and it'll be um, and fingers crossed that he he pulls up well, uh, has his time out of the game, and then comes back well because uh, he's been very very important to this Richmond comeback. But I, I I would have hoped that the consequences are the act, and uh, that a young player has been uh, uh, concussed, uh, regardless stretcher and all that optical stuff, optic stuff. Um, it doesn't make much difference to me, Ron. This is a serious act. Um, but you're right. The consequences of a stretcher, that would have probably added a week, wouldn't it? Oh, and, at least. And, and is that right? Because there's no difference. Uh, oh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't think it is right. I think the balance is tipped too heavily in favour of consequences. The, yes. the, thing, the yeah. thing we need to talk about here, though, is that is this has sparked – uh, another discussion, and we're having this discussion more regularly now about the idea of a send-off rule. And uh, it obviously gained more traction in this particular instance because A, Prestia was such an important player to Richmond. B, Stewart arguably ended up being the best player on, on the ground in Geelong's win. He played a fantastic game. So uh, did Richmond... I, well, obviously, they didn't deserve to be deprived of a key player, but did the guy who inflicted that damage deserve to go on and play and then become the most influential player on the ground? Well, uh, obviously, no. But, look, I've got to say, I've always been pretty conservative on the idea of a send-off rule. I don't like it. I think, you know, danger of getting it wrong. Um, Not every incident, which you might consider sending someone off for, is black and white. There are often mitigating factors that you don't hear about till later. Uh, I know other sports do it. I mean, look, I'm I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not um, 
definitive about this. I'm prepared to be persuaded otherwise, but I'm still, I think for the amount of time something like this happens, uh, it doesn't warrant bringing in what is what is a pretty drastic alteration to the way we adjudicate no. the rules on the field. 100%. What is, yeah. 100% with you. Uh, we um, In the, the round ball game, you can get a red card immediately, but it's usually a, a, a spikes up, you know, into the shin sort of late tackle uh, or you accumulate a yellow card and get another one and come off. I, I think there's too many factors. Like this has been assessed as careless, Rowan. Mm. I don't think you can send someone off for careless. It has to be a deliberate act, and in the heat of the moment, halfway through a third quarter in a grand final, um, how can you assess the balance between careless and deliberate? Um, There's a lot of factors in this. If you see someone king hit a player, well, maybe there should be scope for it, but that doesn't happen in our game anymore. Um, These incidents are few and far between. So to have the... Pressure on the deciding umpires that that is it has to be deliberate, Rowan. Mm. Now people people will debate the Stuart one. Um, they're certainly out of character, as we know. Um, when he chose to run past the ball, so if you choose to do something, have you made a decision to do it, or was it a a brain fade? Yeah, by, I think by, I, I by think a ball player. I think this is the uh, this is the sort of thing where if you haven't played footy, and I mean at any level, doesn't have to be at the elite level, but if you have played a game of football or you know a bit a bit of that sport, you get a sense of times and you know what what is an instinctive reaction, what is a deliberate action, and you look at the uh, Stuart Prestier one and you say. Oh, well, he's lined him up and taken him out. But, I mean, we're, we're still talking about, you know, uh, tenths of a second in terms of reaction time, aren't we? It's not like he's, you oh, know, exactly. sort of deliberated this for five minutes and decided to go after him, you know? No, exactly. Um, worth mentioning, too, the AFL said in 2016 they didn't think there was enough incidents to warrant a rule change. Well, that's six years ago. How many similar Incidents have we had since then? I would say probably a couple at best, maybe a handful at best. So in six years, uh, I just think, you know, look, at a time when people are very uh, iffy about the number of rule changes we make and and how the game runs and how it looks, uh, we need to be careful about uh, altering things willy-nilly. And I think that's certainly the prevailing view within football. Uh, Maybe... Um, attitudes outside football uh, in society end up shaping a more draconian penalty, but uh, we'll just wait and see, I guess. Anyway, it's been uh, that's certainly been the major incident in terms of news this week. Uh, we should follow up though on the major incident or talking point of the last couple of weeks because you don't just forget about it. Uh, that is Jordan Ngoi, who Thankfully for the Pies, um, has made a reappearance at training. So uh, I guess from a football perspective, good to see uh, that, uh, well, mental health appeared to be a bit of an issue for him and that drove him away for a week or so. Good to see that he's resurfaced, Rob. Hopefully he can get his uh, his stuff back on track. 
Yep, and um, should come into the side. He needs to repay the side. There should be no further penalty for him. Um, he chose to take time away, which is um, in, which is his decision. He didn't seem to communicate that greatly with the club. If you listen to Craig McRae, um, I've tried to ring him. I haven't talked to him yet. That was a couple of days ago. I think that's all fixed now. He's turned up to training. <clears throat> um had a bit of a smile on his face and looked like he was moving well. And I think it's very important that he comes into the side this week. Practice. Collingwood have to keep winning. And this is the best way for him to repay his players, uh, repay his club, his teammates and his coaches with a really workmanlike and strong performance uh, on the Gold Coast. Well, they've certainly been pivotal to uh, their resurgence this season, no doubt about that. Uh, final one, just ticking off on the news, uh, is the clarification of a 50-metre penalty when players are split. That is, um, well, the contentious protected zone rule. Uh, players have got uh, pretty clever at milking free kicks, dragging their opponent around behind the player with the ball and uh, then trapping them beyond the two-metre um, zone they're allowed to follow their opponent and then they get pinged for 50 metre penalties and uh, the AFL did send out a video with this announcement and uh, I've got to admit I, I couldn't remember too many incidents of it but then when they sent out the video there were probably three or four examples of it and they showed a few where the 50 would still be paid where it wouldn't be paid um, so a very interesting exercise but uh, it doesn't take much these days for clubs to exploit any sort of rule change, does it? And this one uh, was pretty unfair on the player pursuing the teammate of the player with the ball, correct? Yeah, um, common sense has taken 16 weeks, but it has surfaced and uh, and it's the fairness issue. Uh, there is no way known that <clears throat> a player is trying to cheat or time waste or cut the angle when it's their sole focus is to follow their man and be on their man as per instructions from the coach. So I think the penalty was obviously too harsh and common sense has prevailed. Now all we need is a, a another um, another discussion on the hands up in the, in the ruck rule. We can get rid of that any time you like, Rowan, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Well, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Doesn't people seem to have got used to it? Don't they? you mean nominating for the ruck, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm still not. Why do we have that? That was that was a duty of care that the third man up, oh, third man could up, come over right. the top and yeah. accidentally or whatever uh, end up with the knees in the kidneys. Uh, I think yeah. it was a duty of care, wasn't yeah. it? I think so. No, and the I other think... one, of course, is um, <clears throat> the stand rule. Um, being some, you know, if you don't come up to the mark, you can move backwards, can't you? Now, we saw umpire 32 pay two in a row. He, he, he got the book out and went 50 metres. And then when there was a, a discussion and arms out, I thought arms out had disappeared. But umpire 32, who was the 100 metres against? Rowan, um, Oh, doesn't matter. There was a 100-metre penalty given by umpire 32, one for stand and one for uh, debating the decision with arms out. I was, thought arms out was a little bit uh, lenient. Um, these We've made it a bit more flexible, if that's what I'm saying. Well, we've seen to have had a couple of uh, 
leanings in either direction. It started off being more lenient, then they cracked down, then it was more lenient. Last weekend, it was a little pasture again. I, don't know, I wish I'd sort of stay consistent with these yeah. things, but that's a, all right. The yep. great, uh, the, <laughs> the great bugbear of the modern rules. All right, uh, there is enough news. We've got nine games to preview. Let's do it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Thursday night football, still a big part of the agenda in round 16, and that sees this round kick off on Thursday evening at the Gabba, 7.20pm, with a big game. It is Brisbane taking on the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Brisbane, of course, terribly disappointing against Melbourne last Thursday night. And uh, the Bulldogs, well, they are getting on some sort of roll uh, in the eight. Uh, you wouldn't say ensconced in the eight, but starting to recapture some of the form that took them to a grand final last year. Should be a big game. What do Palmavet say about it? Well, you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have the home side, as you would consider, um, pretty warm favourites. Brisbane paying $1.47 head-to-head for the win. Uh, Western Bulldogs, uh, you can get $2.70 on them. Well, their last meeting was one of the classic modern finals, that semi at the Gabba last year, which the Bulldogs won by one point. In fact, the Bulldogs' last two games at this venue have been finals, believe it or not, that game. And the game prior to that, the 2020 elimination final against St Kilda. Their record of the Gabba is pretty ordinary, though. They have lost seven of their last nine games there. Funnily enough, this sounds unbelievable, but it's true, they have won seven of their last nine against Brisbane. Clearly, that indicates they haven't played Brisbane at the Gabba very much. They've won five of their last six, the Doggies. They've kicked four of their top five scores of the season in that time. Uh, Brisbane's last few games have been very disappointing. They've gone two and three over the last five weeks. They had topped 100 points six weeks in a row, but in the last three weeks, their scores have really dried up, 85-78. And last week against the Demons, a paltry 53 points, Rob. Big game. How do you see it going? Uh, just a couple of issues that have uh, raised their head during the week. The discussion on what we considered was the one of the strongest forward lines in the competition, which had McStay, Hipwood and Danaher. There's a few little notes coming out in the media that is it now too big, Rowan, particularly in night games? Are they a little bit unbalanced given their forward line some of their forward play was quite exhilarating. Now, I'm not cond- I'm not uh, suggesting for one moment that these players are uh, left out of the side. But um, three players mean there's only room for Cameron, then McCarthy, um, and Bailey comes back this week. So they might get the balance that, that week. I, I would prefer the three tools, but you do have to take consideration. And, and, that, and that jumped out at me because at the other end of the ground, the success of the bull oh the, the short-term success of the Bulldogs have, have shown that Norton has finally got some support with Shaki and Jamara Ulhagen, who have consistently been inconsistent, Rowan. So I, I think the talk from this game is the three tools in each end of the ground. It's going to be very interesting. You've turned uh, Jamara Ugal Hagen into Jamara Ulhagen. 
<laughs> I told you I can't read. <laughs> no, yeah, you said it last Sunday as well, but I didn't. Oh, I couldn't so, be. I couldn't be bothered oh, picking you up on it. It's okay. It's all right. Oogle hug, um, Jamara Oogle hug. Yeah. Look, I think Brisbane's. Uh, it's horses for courses, isn't it? So um, they're going to look too tall on a wet night in Melbourne if the ball's not getting in, getting in there enough. I, I think they've got bigger issues at the moment for the longer term, which is uh, I don't think they're tough enough. I don't think they're tough enough physically. I don't think they're tough enough psychologically, to be honest. You know, the Can best I jump in there, mate? Can well, I jump on. in? Jump Why in don't at... they play Matheson? Why don't... No, I'm jumping in. Why All don't right, they jump ever in. play Matheson? Why don't they play Matheson? Because 42 he's... touches, you know? I don't, I don't think don't he's that great a player. Because I don't think what? he's that good. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that good a player. Not Nothing to do with ability. Rowan, it's to do with intent and attitude and competitiveness. You, you need zero talent for those three commodities. And he brings it, and you've answered your own question. I don't think they're tough enough. Okay, we'll leave one of your toughest players in the NEFL then, playing for Southport or Brisbane, whatever you play, and, and see how you go. They're going to get Zorko and Bailey back in, so I doubt very much he'll come back in, but I just sort of throw that up if you want to change an approach and an attitude, which is costing them significantly, as you said. They're not yep. tough enough. Yeah, no, no, reasonable point. You know what, they, I just want to give you this stat, the best comment, I think, on their uh, psychological fragility yeah. is their record at the Gabba. So since 2019, their record at the Gabba in home and away games is 34-2. and two. Right, that's that's better than Geelong or Geelong. That, that is the most one-sided home record in wow. the comp over that time. You know what their finals record at the ground is over the same period? It, it won't be like that, I tell you. One and five. Wow. There so I mean, you know what, what it says it all really about what happens when it gets to the most important time of the season. So there's some and, big and that's issues. what I was trying to say. Is there going to be a reaction at the selection table? Obviously. Um, Pardon me. English won't come back. Bruce did a little bit of a hamstring, um, and and they do get two of their quickest, most talented players back into the side. So um, it's going to be very interesting if there is a reaction, or do they play safe because of their? It's interesting. Do they make the correction now, Rowan, or do they back in their team at a venue that they're very, very safe at? It's going to be interesting to see how they balance this team. Now, haven't we need to tip here? But having said all this, uh, the doggies, uh, Tim English won't be playing again no. this week. Still concussion. Ed Richards is concussed. Uh, Josh Bruce has had a setback uh, with a hamstring and coming back from his knee, so he you won't see him for a few weeks yet. Um, now, having said everything I said about Brisbane, I'm still going to tip him because yeah. That whilst the doggies have been all right, they haven't convinced me enough to make me think they're, they're good enough to beat Brisbane at this time of year at the Gabba. Um, yeah. I, go okay. on. Go on, Ago. No, you're right. I agree. I agree. Keep we'll, going. Give, well, give us your tip and your margin. No, I just wanted to say that we haven't spoken about the key matchup. Be great to see Liberatore and Neil go head to head. Yeah. That's the one we're waiting for. And whether the both two sides pay respect to the corresponding halfback flanks in Daniel Rich and Bailey Dale. So will they play a defensive forward on either of those? Um, no, I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Western Bulldogs, Rowan, by uh, three points. 
Okay, yeah, I think it's going to be reasonably tight. I'm staying with Brisbane and uh, I'm going for them by eight points. All right, that's Thursday night. Let's talk about Friday night. Friday evening in Melbourne, Marvel Stadium, 7.50pm. Carlton taking on St Kilda, Palmerbet. Uh, the head-to-head odds for Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Carlton, warm favourites, $1.57. St Kilda, head-to-head, $2.42. Carlton, fifth on the ladder, 10-4 record. Equal second on points on the ladder. They are flying after a big win over Fremantle last week. Uh, St Kilda, absolutely not flying. They've had three shocking losses in a row to Brisbane, to Essendon, to Sydney, and it's been the manner they've played, which has been as worrying as the defeats themselves. Uh, Their record against Carlton's pretty good. They've won six of the last eight. They have, however, lost two of the last three to the Blues. Uh, At Marvel, both these sides gone all right at Marvel this year. Carlton a five and zip at this venue in 2022. St Kilda... Uh, four and one. Uh, long injury list to the Blues, which I can talk about if required. But, uh, well, you've got to go with Carlton on this one, surely, Rob. The good news is for both sides, they do get some personnel back. Chera comes back into the midfield for Carlton and uh, Ryder and Hill. We won't go on and discuss, you know, the, the denials coming at us in Kilda that they were... Um, uh, about uh, issues of drinking and all that sort of thing. We'll let that go through to the keeper, but Ryder and Hill will be very, very important because what we've found out, without Hill, sides are, are really going hard at at, um, at Sinclair. We saw Matt Gelfie do it and kick two goals on him. We saw Ryan Clark do it last week and kick two goals on him. So it's going to be very, very important that Hill comes in and adds another dimension to their running because sides are just cutting Sinclair out and Carlton have got those small forwards that they can balance that. Um, Durden, Owies, these sort of players can do it naturally but at the same time be very dangerous. I think Carlton won't tag him but they will rely on their immense forward pressure that uh, Voss has brought to this side to Katal Sinclair. So Hill's going to have to play a really important game because Carlton have got that all over St Kilda, as far as I'm concerned, in ball movement and run and, and, and the skill level going forward. One of the uh, bigger issues I think Voss and the Carlton coaching crew are going to have over the next few weeks is selection because they've had such a long injury list. Players staying to come back. Got to be careful with that. I mean, it's a decent problem to have, but we've yeah. seen... Well, yeah. We've seen the momentum of sides that have been winning uh, upset by players coming back and perhaps, you know, sort of uh, disrupting the... What's the word I'm looking for? Zeitgeist of the side playing as it is. Now, in Carlton's case, you've got the likes of uh, Chera, Fogarty, Martin, Owies, all a chance to return um, this weekend. Now, Chera, yeah, he goes straight in. I think Martin's pretty important. Owies has been an important pressure forward, you know, but you can't get them all in there. So to what extent do they come back? Wiedering's another week away. Uh, even McGovern and Pitnet, who have been out for ages, they're getting closer to a return. Well, so, so it's an interesting dilemma for them, isn't it? Just to stop you there, if you if you if I said to you, Rowan, um, absolutely essential is your first ruck. 
Now, but but young De Koning is, um, I think, I get them mixed up, obviously. Um, the, Geelong, the the two boys have been sensational. One's gone into the ruck, and does Pitonay come back into that side automatically, given this young player's um, incredible development and importance? Wheatering is a tick, and Chera is a tick. Uh, I'm not sure about the others, Rowan. I think the balance is there, the depth is there. I saw in social media someone named a Carlton team that's out at the moment. So they've done remarkably well. Anyway. Yeah, they have. No, really yeah. good depth. Uh, what about St Kilda? Can we? You mentioned the importance of Brad Hill. Uh, they are really up against it. They've got this game. They've got Frio. Um, who's their third one? It might be the Bulldogs, but they've got three really tough games. In fact, six of their last eight games, St Kilda, are against sides currently in the eight. Um, they're not going to make it, are they? Well, it doesn't look like it, Rowan, and uh, there's added pressure on King. Um, he's been targeted uh, in, in the media for body language. I, I don't know the kid personally. He might be just a quiet type, um, but people are asking for more um, direction for him from the coach. Uh, Grant Thomas is particularly strong on this, that he needs some really clear direction and strong feedback um, you can take that how you like it, but I'm just reading between the lines there. Um, but he is he is down in the dumps. He looks, the shoulders are sagging a little bit. Uh, he needs to kick his goals. He needs to get his confidence up um, because on paper, they do have a, a, a multi-pronged attack with King, Membry and Marshall, Dash Ryder, that should work. Now, they dropped Higgins because of team discipline. They've done that again. They've done it a couple of times with Higgins. So I, I'm, I'm saying they might get back him back into the side, um, particularly at this ground, where he does seem to go well. All right, keep going. Give us your tip and your margin. No, I've got Carlton by... Um, oh, look, St Kilda will throw everything out this because of human nature. They have to. Uh, but I've got Carlton by uh, 21 points. Oh, it's interesting because I've got them by 22 points. Great minds and all that. Okay, <laughs> this Thursday and Friday night, let's move to Saturday. First game on the Saturday is at the MCG, 1.45pm. It is between Essendon and Sydney. Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Sydney, as you'd imagine, a very warm favourite, even away from home. They are paying $1.34 head-to-head. Essendon paying $3.29. Uh, dark times for the Bombers. Uh, really bad loss in Perth last week to West Coast. They're 16th on the ladder with a 3-11 record. Sydney, well, they beat St Kilda well enough last week. They're not flying, though. In fact, since round seven, their win-loss record is 4-4. Four and four. Uh, one of those wins was against Essendon. They smashed Essendon by 58 points in round nine. Um, these two had had a really tight tussle prior to that consistently. In fact, the five games between these clubs prior to that game had been decided by a total of 31 points. The MCG, it's a good venue for the Swans these days. They've won six of their last eight games there. Uh, their only game there so far this season was arguably their best win of the season when they defeated Melbourne by 12 points. Essendon, how are they going at the MCG home ground? Well, pretty crap. 
uh, like everywhere, Essendon have lost eight of their last nine games at the MCG. Don't look like it. Uh, injury news. Parrish set to return from his calf injury for the Bombers. Uh, Andy McGrath won't be there, though. He's going to be out for another week at least. Sounds like it might be even more than that. Stewart, Cox, uh, Smith still remain out. Hurley, well, you know, he's that invisible player who just doesn't play. Sydney, well... Uh, they've got one of the shortest, if not the shortest, injury list in the competition at the moment. Uh, Josh Kennedy. Uh, well, Sam Naismith's been out for the whole year with a knee. Josh Kennedy, uh, due to return to modified training drills uh, this week, probably still a month away, but uh, that's it for the Swans. So clean bill of health there, uh, onwards and upwards for them. How do you see this one panning out? Well, I found a very interesting... Um that uh, it's a brilliant record by the by the uh, Swans at, uh, did you say seven out of nine, Rowan, something like that? Uh, six right out of their last eight at the MCG. Yeah, it's up there at 80%. So that's a great, they really do enjoy playing. It's going to be significant. It's in the afternoon, so it's not a night game. That'll help Essendon, particularly um, with their um, their focus on, on Wright, who's been terrific, kicked another four last week, went through a quiet patch, but uh, got back to some good form last week. Uh, Essendon's back line's the interesting one for me. I, I thought two years ago that uh, Ridley was a revelation. I, I'm not sure he got All-Australian, Rowan, but I know he got in the All-Australian initial 40, didn't he, as the third tour. I'm well, not he, won sure he, he won a best and fairest. Won a best and fairest. Um. And he did that as the third tool, one of the most important positions because up the other end, Sydney have got Paddy McCartan doing it, you know, has been a revelation. I can't understand why Ridley is full back when I'm not sure. I know Stewart's not back yet or he might be back. Uh, they seem to not give have the patience with Brandon Zerk Thatcher as they should as a full back, which would allow Ridley uh, to return to his now return to his preferred position, which supports the back line. It just makes sense to me. But Kelly come in has moved. Like, you don't move Ridley because Kelly's come in. You move Kelly either out or in or whatever because Ridley's there. You what don't, about, make, um, you, what you are, don't what? make concessions to, to a bloke of Ridley's ability. You just don't do it. Play to your strengths. What about uh, Zach Reid? Do you rate him? Yes, I do. Should never have been out of the side. Uh, oh, hang on. He got injured, didn't he? I do. I, I rate anyone, if they're going to win one, Rowan, yeah. as the club said in two, three, four or ten years, Zach Reed's the fullback in that side. Okay. He can, should, can I he should be playing yeah. every possible game. Yeah, he probably should. And and maybe Zach. Can I just throw in something here, though, and it, it's a reflection of how I feel about them at the moment, but... But they talk about Zach Reid like he's the next Messiah. He's played a handful of games and done very little. Zerk Thatcher now has had, what, two seasons at least at senior level? It hasn't shown anything. Well, more than that. Well, yeah. are these guys any good or not? You know, find out if they're any good or not. And if they're not, get rid of them. You know, this is what Essendon has done now for 20 years. They keep guys on the list. They don't play them. And then five years later, they go, oh, gee, I don't know if this guy's up to it or not. Other players anyway. have moved on. When you talk about Collingwood and Carlton turning things around, they make quicker decisions on talent. That's the other thing Essendon does. It picks the wrong talent. It develops it poorly, 
and then it won't make a decision on whether that talent's any good or not. It's pretty symptomatic. Yeah, picking the talent that's not the re- what? Hang on, that's not required. Does that make sense? No. Like you're crying out for fullbacks. You're crying out for tools. So you get read in, and he's been promising Rowan. He's he's not Dustin Fletcher at seventeen or eighteen, but. Um, He's in the same mould. You've got to develop this. Anyway, we're talking too much about Essendon. We're going to get the Shield-Parker match-up. That'll be a good one. Yep. Because of what happened last time. Um, what about Buddy that, Franklin as they run him oh, well, well, and the bloke that's helping him is uh, Reed. Reed's come back from all those injuries that he's had over the years to be a very, very important player. You had Parker and Heaney at ground level plus Sydney's mobility and pace, uh, you can see where they can worry, Essendon. All right, give us your tip. Uh, I think uh, mid-20s again, Rowan. It, it won't be all one-sided. Uh, uh, it's a pity McGrath's not back, so I'm saying uh, Sydney by 23 points. Okay, I'm going Sydney for by 16 points. All right, uh, let's talk about Twilight Saturday. Twilight on Saturday sees Adelaide up against Melbourne. Adelaide Oval, the venue for that game, 4.35pm. Uh, Palmer Vet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all this season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Has the Demons uh, hot favourites, despite their away status. $1.15 Melbourne, head-to-head. Adelaide paying $5.50. Now, this is where the Demons lost their first game of last year. Memorable one-point result in favour of the Crows. It was after nine straight wins last year. Uh, last 10 games these two have played have been split 5-5. So the Crows going all right, even in recent times against the Demons. The Demons, however, their record at Adelaide Oval is pretty good. They've won six of their last seven there. That lost Adelaide last year, the exception. And the Crows, who had a pretty good win last week in Hobart against North, but how much stock do you put in that these days? They are 13th on the ladder with a 5-9 record. I thought Melbourne pretty uh, ominous looking in a a stunning return to form at Brisbane's expense last week, Robert. uh, I'm expecting them to go on with it. What are you expecting? Well, what impressed me was the ability of people to stand up for Melbourne. Not only did they have to get themselves back into the form, but they lost their captain in the first ruck. So Jackson steps up and is one of the best on the ground, um, showing his real potential um, because he obviously playing as a second ruck forward pocket. You don't sometimes get to see them on the big stage for what it's worth. Uh, <clears throat> and Viney as captain was sensational, took a lot of pressure off Petrarca and Oliver, and um, it went from there. Another interesting point on the importance of Stephen May, not only will he probably have the match-up on um, Taylor Walker, but interesting, Rowan, is that uh, as soon as May comes back, Jake Lever is in the votes. Mm. Yeah, they're good for each other, yeah. aren't they? They're like uh, Bonnie, um, I, Bonnie I, I know who's be- I know who's better from the other. I know who's good for one. I tell you, um, Lever is a much better player because uh, this gets back to my Ridley thing, mm. right? When when May's out, uh, Lever's been exposed down the middle, down the spine. He's, he's not quite big enough. He's a great reader of the play. Hence my frustration at the use of Ridley. Exactly the same role, exactly the same importance. 
Essendon don't have a Stephen May to come back in, but they have options there that will allow Ridley and the likes of Lever to play to their strengths, which is a very, very important role in the modern game. I was going to say Bonnie and Clyde. I was thinking of iconic duos. Uh, they're not criminals, though, and they're not on the run from anyone, but uh, they're pretty Abbott handy. and Costello? Well, they're comedy duos. Isn't that Brasher and Campbell? You are. Righto. Come on, say something about the scope. <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't come in on the back of that, would you? All right. Uh, well, Max Gorn, he's out for another week at least, probably a couple. Yep. Um, uh, Jake Melksham uh, made his comeback through the VFL last week. Tom McDonald's the other consequential long-term injury, and we don't know if we're going to see him again this season. So the Demons will have to make do with what they got. But last week you would have thought, well, that's pretty good. Um, I thought Adelaide looked pretty good in Hobart. Again, though, uh, quality of, of the opposition counts for something. Uh, but Walker and Fogarty, speaking of iconic duos, I wouldn't call them iconic, but that looks like a decent partnership, which if Tex can stay fit and well and in form, um, that could be a very productive master-pupil type relationship. In fact, that could be Walker and Fogarty could be a bit like... Um, uh, grasshopper and the old guy in Kung Fu, Robert. You'd relate to that one, wouldn't you? It also sounds like a band. <laughs> what? Grasshopper? What? What does? Walker and Fogarty. Walker and Fogarty, yeah. That's John Fogarty of Queen's Clearwater. You remember Kung Fu, don't you? What was the old guy's oh. name? Do you remember no, his actual I name? I never watched that. I never watched that. Oh, I did. It was very yeah. spiritual. When you were seven or eight years old, it was the most spiritual well, that's right. thing you got. Well, well, that would have put. No. Go, go on. Move on. on. Come on. You keep interrupting me and stopping my But incredibly... you're talking, what are you talking? I'm talking about yeah, yeah. Kung Fu, an iconic TV show with David Carradine. I want to talk about Keys and Lead. Oh, there's another band, Cotton Keys and Morris. Oh, so it's, okay, so it's okay for you to ramble yeah, with okay, word association sorry. from the 1970s. Jim Keys, Keys Southern Cross. I hope they get Crouch back. He had 42 well, in the sample. Look, I can do it with Laird. Bruce Laird, former Australian cricket opener. Uh, People have just driven off the road, right? Go and pick it up. Work out what we're saying. I don't know. It's I hope real. they bring Crouch back. Yeah. Sandful, and together with Lead and Keys, they're going to have to really add some depth to that midfield to take on Viney, Oliver, and Petrarca. I think Melbourne's pressure has turned the corner. They're they're back, even though like the level they were at was um, that was assaulting. They they absolutely assaulted them. It may not be at that level, but surely it'll be enough to cover Adelaide, even though it's at the Adelaide Oval. All right, give us a margin. Uh, 31. 31, okay. That's uh, remarkable. Um, I'm going for Melbourne by 32. That's not remarkable. Oh. It's just our margins are pretty similar. They're in sync. They're in harmony. And uh, the old guy in Kung Fu would say, yes, grasshopper. Uh, <laughs> close margins make for unified uh, um, game preview. All right. Uh, yeah, we're, a bit, we're struggling a bit today, let's be honest. All right, uh, let's move on to the next game. It is Saturday evening down in Geelong. GMHBA Stadium 7.25 is the time and the place. The combatants are Geelong and North Melbourne. The odds, thanks to Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. 
Uh, fair to say, pretty lopsided. Geelong, uh, well, wouldn't bother putting anything on this because they're paying the princely sum head-to-head of a dollar and one cent. Oh, dear. North Melbourne, you fancy a little flutter on a real long shot? Well, go with North Melbourne because the Roos are paying $16.70. Geelong, that was a really important win over Richmond in, uh, well, the best game this season, no doubt, last weekend. And the result was Geelong went to second spot on the ladder. They've won five in a row now. Their record is 10-4. and four. North Melbourne now have lost 12 in a row. And I keep talking about this, but the lowest margin in their last 11 losses is 47 points. So they're not just losing, they're getting smashed. Uh, they've lost their last nine against the Cats, the Roos. Their last win was back in 2015. Uh, they've already been beaten by the Cats once this year. That was in round six in Hobart by 60 points. They've lost eight of their last nine at the Cattery since that famous game in 2007, round five, which uh, spawned a Geelong era, which took in three premierships and four grand finals. Of course, long time ago now, 15 years, uh, but still significant. Uh, Gee, it's feeling like a long time since North Melbourne were a good and combative AFL side, and uh, this game's got uh, potential car crash written all over it. Wouldn't you agree, Robert? Well, it does. There's a couple of things that um, stand out to me. Obviously, Dangerfield was... uh, Oh, It was interesting how they've managed him, and he'll return uh, for this game at Geelong. Uh, They erred on the side of conservatism with him last week in the big game against Richmond. Uh, so he'll be back. Gary Rowan will come back in. Um, who's going to replace Stuart? Well, obviously no one can, but they've got young Henry there that they can switch back and forward. And I remember a few weeks ago, they actually used Gary Rowan as a halfback flanker. They moved him back. Uh, so they do have options there. I'd like to see Rowan go back there, particularly with Dangerfield coming in. He could go to half forward and change through the midfield. Just I'm on that, sure. just on Sorry. that, he, he's a yeah. well, he's a similar sort of uh, stature to a Stewart, isn't he, Rowan? And and you know he, he's good in the air, he's quick, obviously, and he doesn't lack physical strength. I think that'd be a good call, actually. I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think he'll play central defence like Stewart can play centre half back or full back in his own is his own right. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Rowan go back there and really stretch this North Melbourne side that doesn't defend in transition well at all, if at all. Um, you've got Walker, Core, and Mackay, your three big tools for now. Okay, Mackay will probably go back after the failed experiment of him being forward. He'll go back to Hawkins. I just don't know who's got the mobility and the pace and the manoeuvrability out of Walker and Core to play on um, on Jeremy Cameron Rowan. It's just six foot six, quick as a wingman, and uh, with McDonald going having to go to Stengel, who's in outstanding form, I've just got no idea how they can handle Jeremy Cameron. Well, I've, I've got no idea how they can handle anyone of consequence, to be honest, <laughs> after watching. I'm not trying to be cruel, but they just... No, I know. I they know don't have the mean. personnel. I mean, if, if Walker and Fogarty are going to rip them to shreds, uh, what are uh, Cameron and Hawkins going to do to them? 
uh, yeah. you know, could get really, really ugly. And uh, the news on the personnel front certainly doesn't get a lot better for the Roos. Uh, Will Phillips has now been ruled out for the rest of the season. Uh, with glandular, he's had glandular fever. Uh, Lockie Young, uh, he returns from suspension, so that's one back. Uh, Bailey Scott, he's going to miss at least a fortnight. Uh, ben Cunnington, who, of course, was on the comeback trial from testicular cancer, he's now suffered a setback with a calf injury. Uh, Jack Zebel still a couple of weeks away. Even Jared Pollock, who goes in and out of uh, favour with the selectors, he's still two or three weeks away. Um, and Horn Francis, of course, another game on the sideline suspended. So uh, they're in all sorts. You know, they're in all sorts in terms of personnel. They're in all sorts in terms of the way they're playing. And uh, as we talked about the review with Jeff Walsh, uh, there could be in all sorts on the coaching front there too, um, if things don't improve rapidly. Uh, it's Interesting be- how he handles Taron Thomas also, Rowan. Yes. A very important player. Yeah, he so, is, uh, and uh, certainly not looking very happy at the moment like a number of their up-and-comers. Uh, well, this is going to be a smashing. Let's just talk about the margin. What uh, are you going with here? I think it'll be 61 points, which um, could could um, depend on how uh, how what s- strength Geelong attacks the four-quarter game. Um, Geelong have got players that in there. So, I, look, I don't like taking anything for granted, but if they get a good lead run, they got the opportunity to um, uh, have a look at their list, maybe have a look at uh, some continual experimentation. Um, it sounds disrespectful, but it's not. Um, Geelong are trying to prepare for a final series. So if they get a chance to keep Atkins in the centre or put Jeremy Cameron in the centre or play Rowan at halfback, they can still do that and achieve what they want to set up, and that's a, a very good win at Geelong. So I'm saying um, it'll be uh, it'll be a win, Rowan, with the Cats easing up at some stage. Uh, margin? 61. 61. All right, well, I'm going for Geelong. Six. Six. Six one, did I say? Yeah. I don't know. Did you? Yeah, I thought you said fifty one. No, no. Right, good. Six, okay, <laughs> good. Just clear on that. All right, I'm going Geelong by sixty points. All right, let's move on. Well, this game has plenty of appeal. Metricon Stadium, seven twenty five p.m. Saturday evening is the venue. The game is Gold Coast up against Collingwood. Palmer Vet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, always remember to gamble responsibly. They have Gold Coast favourites at home paying $1.78. Collingwood paying $2.05. Some uh, history between these two. Collingwood are 9-3 and three against Gold Coast, but they haven't played them at Metricon Stadium since 2018. Uh, they're nine and two at Metricon. Their last loss there, Collingwood, was against Gold Coast in 2014. That was the game when Gary Ablett did his shoulder and ruined Gold Coast finals hopes, and they haven't had any finals hopes uh, until now, eight years later. Uh, Collingwood, seventh on the ladder, flying. Uh, another good win. Well, inaccurate, but uh, good win against GWS. They're nine and five. Gold Coast. Played in one of the games of the season. Little consolation, though. They lost to Port Adelaide. Could be costly. They're 11th, 7-7. Seven and seven. 
and a game outside the eights. Well, uh, form probably, uh, well, both their form is good. Collingwood probably the better equipped side, but the venue in this case counts for plenty, I would have thought. Is that how you see it or do you see it differently, Robert? Um, Well, I agree with you. It's a real good game, starting with Wits versus Cox and um, the very much and significantly important Cameron. We didn't think we'd hear that with the the long-term domination, I guess, of Brodie Collingwood Hope would be the long-term, but they've found a real key player there. Um, I love the settled nature of Collingwood's back six, and while they don't start favourite in this game, I really can't see why they why they aren't the favourite. Gold Coast are coming back from a a, a tremendous game in Adelaide, travel back. It was a taxing game. Uh, So I think that will play into Collingwood's hands a little bit. Collingwood are a very, very good travelling side and and I just love the work that their back line are doing, uh, that back six. It's been settled now for about a month and I have to think they have the capacity to to hold the very important... Improved uh, Chol and Casbolt's been really handy. Ranking at ground level is always dangerous, but this is this is a good side. And I'll tell you why they're a good side, because they're now using side bottom in Pendlebury in selective roles. A little bit of a wing. Side bottom went to um, Langdon against Melbourne, so he can do a rundown job. Pendlebury will drift from half back, back onto the ball. And, of course, um, uh, the... the, the Line, can be really multi-dimensional, quite exciting. Elliot, Ginevan, Maya Chak's a very is a rated player now. He's not underrated. I, I just think pies are, uh, are very, very good in all areas of the ground and should more than match up with uh, Raul Anderson Miller on ball. I thought uh, I thought Gold Coast were really impressive last week. I mean, there were times when Port looked like they could have got a bit of a, a flyer on them, but they pegged them back. So we keep talking about the greater resilience of them under Stuart Dew, but yeah. there, no better evidence of that than that game last week, even in defeat. Does that translate to uh, you know a few better goals on their home deck? I think Metricon has become one of the most pronounced home ground advantages in the league. Other sides really struggle there. I think it's worth a few goals. Uh, if this game were anywhere else, would we have Collingwood a few goals ahead of Gold Coast? I don't know. Well, certainly would. I've still got them. Oh, look, I'll get to my tip, Rowan. I just think for the five or six points I talk about, I'm not underestimating Gold Coast in any way, shape or form because they're being good in the key areas, contested possession, clearances and direct football. He's really ground this back to a very simple game plan. They're strong, they're hard and as you saw last week, they are now resilient and competitive. I just think Collingwood might be about 11 points better. That's all. Uh, 11 points. Well, wouldn't you know, I'm going for Collingwood by 10 points I wonder if, uh, just quickly, just on that, uh, the way Collingwood plays, simplicity, simple game styles, is that the secret to having sides play energised, attacking, positive football? When you've only got two or three things on your mind to worry about, is that what you're saying? Well, he's certainly, um, he's he's developed a really exciting passage of play. And don't forget that Dugowie comes into the side role. We've left out Dugowie in our uh, in our summary. So, well, we hope he comes back. I think both sides have really 
scaled it back to uh, to the simplicity. McRae wants to run more, I think, and handball, and whereas the Gold Coast want to be strong uh, in in the key contested areas. Not mm. that Collingwood aren't good in the contested areas. I just think Collingwood's. I, I love a settled back six. Always have. It's always stood the test of time. And since Murphy's come back into the side to team up with Moore, Howe, Quainer and um, Maynard on flanks, uh, together with the dash of Noble, this this back line's been in place now for oh, I don't know four to six weeks, and it's a real key to the Collingwood because it gives every it gives defensive structure. It gives athleticism and it gives pace and it gives lockdown if required, a la Maynard's job on Toby Green. All right. Uh, Collingwood 11 points, says you. Collingwood by 10 points, says me. Uh, and now I says, let's talk about the next game on Sunday afternoon. First game on Sunday is at 2.10pm, an hour later than the usual first game on Sunday. Why? Who knows? What is going on with scheduling this season? Things like that every week now. They don't even bother explaining why. Anyway, 2.10pm at the MCG, and it's Richmond taking on West Coast. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly have the Tigers, uh, as you'd expect, pretty warm favourites, $1.11 head-to-head. West Coast paying $6.10. Well, finally, back on the winner's list, the Eagles, they break a run of nine straight losses with a win against Essendon. They are now 2-12. and 12. Uh, The Tigers are ninth on the ladder, 8-6 and six after that narrow and potentially costly loss to Geelong. They've already played once, these two, and that was an absolute pantsing that Richmond dealt West Coast by over 100 points, 109 points in Perth back in round seven. Uh, West Coast, the MCG, have lost three of the past four there. They had a pretty good run there for a while. They, in fact, they won their previous five appearances at the G prior to that three out of four, and that, of course, included a premiership win Back in 2018, the situation obviously has changed a fair bit since then. Uh, The Tigers' injuries, well, still significant. Noah Bolter still a couple of weeks away with a hamstring. Trent Cotchin, uh, one to two weeks away with a shoulder injury. Uh, Dion Prestia, well, is obviously going to miss this week after that uh, concussion, the Tom Stewart incident. Maybe it'll be more than a week. Uh, the Eagles, well, they've had a lengthy injury list all season. Jeremy McGovern's rib injury was more serious than first reported. Uh, might have suffered damage to a lung as well. May not even play the rest of this season, worst case scenario. Uh, Dom Sheed, um, shin injury. Uh, that's sounding like uh, that could be the sort of thing that keeps him out for some time too. Maybe the Eagles are going to start... Uh, pulling players out of the lineup and getting them ready for next year. This year has been um, a bit of a lost cause pretty much from the word go. In fact, even before the word go, it's been a long and uh, unhappy season for them. They are, however, at least this week coming off a win. Do you give them any chance at all against the Tigers? No, no, they won't. But um, they seem to get, it looks like Nat Nui after one game in the waffle will come back into the side, which, uh, 
gives considerable uh, support to their on-ballers. But when one comes back in, they they might lose a sheed. Uh, they get they get what looked like a pretty good side back in, and then they uh, unfortunately lose other players. I, I I can't see them matching Richmond. Uh, uh, the Tigers will be stung. They are uh, what was it eight and six? Did you say they were Rowan? They've yep. got to they've got to make it nine and six, which is a reasonably uh, good position to launch for the rest of the season. Um, so it's an improved list of the West Coast Eagles versus like a really improved team. And to tell you, the depth of Richmond's going to be important because even though they lose Prestia as one of their key cogs, they can use Martin Moore on the ball or they can either take the option of bringing Kane Lambert back into the side or Jason Castagna who kicked three. So there are premiership players out of this side that Richmond can bring back in. All right. So keep going. Uh, you might as well oh, do you want me to keep going? Oh, hey, keep, keep going. going. Keep going. Um, um, uh, obviously, Kennedy and Darling last week monstered the undersized Essendon uh, back line, but this week you'll have Grimes that will go to Darling and Tarrant to Kennedy. So this is a much more uh, complementary matchup. Uh, both those players complement – well, not complement, yeah, the Tarrant-White-Grimes uh, matchup really complements each other against that. Uh, Bolter's not around, Prestia's not around, so Richmond's still got a couple out, but the and um, but the key is – uh, the players coming back in very, very important and have proven themselves in uh, in premierships. I really liked the move last week of Yo to the half-back line. He gave Essendon's, you know, I don't know why Essendon didn't play Guelphie on him like they did with Sinclair the week before. Um, so he's been really important. I don't think he'll get the same sort of uh, latitude as he got against Essendon. But that's a good move to put him back, sets up their play, takes a bit of pressure off Hearn and these sort of players and adds some experience to the back line. Uh, it'll be a solid Richmond win. It won't be outstanding, I feel, Rowan. Um, it'll probably be mid-40s, I reckon, 40, 47 points. There you are. All right. Oh, it's getting spooky. I'm going for Richmond in the 40s as well. Uh, oh, come on. We, 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 <laughs> we've nearly picked the same with the same margins. Yeah. I told you. It's very grasshopperish. Um, I'm going Richmond by 42 points. That is the first game on Sunday. Let's talk about the second, Grasshopper. Second game on the Sunday card is 3.20pm at Giant Stadium between Greater Western Sydney and Hawthorne. Palmer Bet Tellers, every week you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season with them. Of course you can. Always remember to gamble responsibly. GWS paying $1.50 head-to-head. Hawthorne paying $2.61. Hawthorne's record against GWS, they've won six, they've lost four, and they've drawn one. Remember that draw? It was an exciting game down in Launceston. Uh, That was about 2019, I think. Won three of the last four against the Giants too. But, and this is a big but, at Giants Stadium, Hawthorne are zero and six. That is right. They have not won a game at Giants Stadium. I wonder if they're ever going to get a sponsor for that ground. We don't even talk about the possibility of it, which gives you an idea the extent to which they are looked after by the AFL when that is not considered to be 
a problem. Uh, the Giants, well, um, they hung in there against Collingwood and almost, uh, well, they did cause Collingwood some grief. Might have uh, pinched what would have been a famous win against the Pies. Uh, they've played a more attacking game under Mark McVeigh since he took over. The Hawks, uh, well, like we say, they've had competitive performances most of this season, but they keep losing. Eventually, you've got to start winning. Are they a chance of winning this one, Robert? Uh, they are. Look, I think you summed it up very well. Both sides have been very good in patches, attacking, exciting. Uh they haven't been consistent and they get runs of goals kicked against them. So um, I think I think GWS have left the back door open too much. The, the scores against them have been too high, but maybe they are just focusing. They know they can't make the final. Maybe they are focusing on a more um, extravagant game plan, more creative, more run, and that's coming at a cost. Uh, the Hawks, they're, they're very similar. As I said, both sides have been very good in patches, and I reckon this will be a terrific game. They both want to attack. They both want to run, and they're both quite exciting. Uh, the the Taylor-Lewis matchup is going to be very important. I like these matchups at either end of the ground, and Sicily uh, has to do a similar job on the, on the consistent Hogan. He's always getting his threes and fours, Rowan. He's been very good for them. And with Toby Green coming in, that's going to be the key to the Hawks to get a matchup because a lot of their um, their run comes from this half-back line. So they've just got to get uh, uh, one player to lock down on Toby Green and let Sicily handle Hogan. Just let me chip in there. Yeah. Uh, Hawthorne looking a bit better on the personnel front. Gunston. Wingard and Day all on track yeah. to be available for this game. Um, Frost, he's still sidelined with a knee injury. And uh, the big one, of course, big boy McAvoy, uh, neck injury, making progress, says the official description, which means by about November he should be right. I'd like to hear something about this injury because it's just been like we haven't heard anything about it, but he's been out for the whole year and it's been really costly. It's just, it's bizarre. Oh, it's a broken bone in his neck, Rowan, remember? Well, that's pretty serious. Yeah, it's very serious. But Gunston uh, Wingard Day back for the Hawks, you'd think that makes a significant difference. It does, and it'll be a close game. It'll be exciting. I think GWS got more, they're more multidimensional through their midfield. Coniglia is having a good year. you got Kelly. Um, uh, up against O'Meara, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, look, Mitchell and Newcomb, it's a really interesting uh, dynamic, that, because they're they're both in and under. They're both contested ball. They're both stoppage players. I just think GWS will win this because they've got more avenues through the midfield, more attacking options, um, and they can, they can use... Um, uh, Caniglio to run with an Amira. They're a bit more balanced, I think, through the midfield, round. So I've got them winning by uh, a good solid 20 points, 21 points. Okay, reasonably confident about that one. Uh, I'm denied about this one because I yeah, still think the Hawks... I can Hawks, see why. Yeah. yeah, well, I still think the Hawks are very capable, uh, even though they're not getting the wins up. But they are still prone to having the odd shocker as well. Does it come apart at some stage because they keep getting close without the rewards? 
there were signs at times against the Dogs that it might have been starting to come apart. Then again, they had a pretty good finish to the game. Where does that leave them? Yeah, well, I think the record at Giants Stadium is pretty significant. I think the Giants are playing decent footy and overall, and I think uh, given the right conditions, chance for them to really get on the attack and gun a pretty sizable score here. Um, I'm going for them by a bit less than you, but I think they were good enough to win it. I'm going to go for the Giants by 14 points, uh, all of which leaves just one game to preview, and it's a big one, and it's in Perth. Let's do it now. Final game of round 16, and uh, it's a late start, late finish, it means, obviously. Optus Stadium Perth is the venue Eastern Standard Time, 5.20 p.m. So that will finish about 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is Fremantle against Port Adelaide. Palmer bet we can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Has Fremantle uh, reasonably short-priced favourite, $1.41. The Dockers paying head-to-head. Port Adelaide paying $2.93. Uh, the Dockers are 10 and 4 and fourth on the ladder. Disappointing last week, however, against Carlton. Port Adelaide are 12th now after that thrilling win over Gold Coast, 7 and 7. Uh, it's been an up and down season. They have lost their first five. They've now won seven of their past nine. They've won five of their last seven against Fremantle. And at Optus Stadium, they're not so hot. They have won just the one game there. They've lost four games there from five thus far. Big game for them. They have to simply keep winning pretty much every week if they're going to be any chance of sneaking into the eight. Fremantle at home on the rebound. Uh, It's going to be tough for the power, you'd think, Rob. Well, yeah, but they've got some options coming back. You know, they get Cleary and Burn Jones could come back into their side. Uh, it's going to be a very important inclusion. There's even talk of Lysette into the ruck, and believe it or not, um, Orazio Fantasia is knocking on the door after a very good performance in the sample, even though he wasn't very accurate with his kicking. So um, if you looked on that on paper, Cleary, Burn Jones, Zach Butters, Fantasia and Lysette are very significant ins. But it also brings into play your theory, do you bring them all back like that? You know, it's an away game, you freshen up. It was a tough physical game last week. Obviously, Butters and Fantasia could give uh, some legs. Uh, Burn Jones off half back. Um, It's going to be very interesting to read selection tomorrow evening, Rowan, uh, how how Port do this. Because as you said, they're 12th. They've actually tacked onto the competition well, basically, they're one game out. So every game for them is an absolute uh, – are they capable of winning this? My word, they are. You know uh, who's yeah, you know who is a really important player for Port? I was thinking this watching that game last week. And a game like this, his shapes is particularly important, I reckon. Sam Powell Pepper. We're been d- terrific, hasn't he? He's well, he been really good. He doesn't sort of get the kudos of their superstars. And sometimes he doesn't get the – a lot of touches, but he just everything he does has impact. And I think in a this will be a tough game. I mean, Fremantle are a strong defensive-minded team. 
Um, they'll be pretty keen to reassert those credentials because Carlton blew them apart pretty early last week. So they'll be after a strong defensive performance. And that makes a player like Pal Pepper, who really attacks every contest like it's his last, makes him really important. And he's run. In fact, I've got memories of, and we're going back a fair way, but a final that he might have played in over there in which uh, he was crucial. So I've got a feeling the venue might suit him. I think the opponent might suit him and the the style of game we're likely to see, I think, will suit him. Um, I'll give the power a very good chance here. They're, they've, they've got a sort of habit of winning games on the road in Perth when their back's against the wall. And um, they ground out what was a, a crucial win from last week. I think uh, they're not without a chance here. How big a chance do you give them here? Not without a chance, but I think like it looks like Fremantle might get Michael Walters back into that side. Their forward half pressure last week against Carlton was uh, terrible, allowing the likes of uh, Doherty and Saad to have free access to the ball and bring it back through the midfield. They've got to do something significant there. Um, uh, Port haven't got those type of players or of that style, but they still, uh, Frio still got to focus on that area of the ground. Uh, that's why I think they might bring Burn Jones back in. He does give them a rush. Butters is going to be important. Um, I, I think, I don't think Justin Longmuir is the type of coach that will panic too much. He won't be happy, but. I think playing at home, they'll look to consolidate. They'll look to settle. I don't think they'll throw um, the players out and in left, right and centre. I don't think that's his go. And his best chance of winning this game is to, okay, talk about it, train for it and come back stronger after disappointing. I I, I think there'll be minimal changes. Walters has to come in for mine and... um, He's not going to punish them at the selection table. This is a winnable game. Takes them to 11-4. It's critical for Fremantle, Rowan. All right. So give us your tip and your margin. Uh, Fremantle by... uh, I'm going for Fremantle by uh, a goal a quarter. I I think they'll have a good solid win here. So 27 points. Four goals. 27 points. All right. Well, this is one we finally do disagree on the margin because I reckon this is going to be a thriller. I give Port every chance. Um, Frio have to make every post a winner. They certainly have to cash in in their home games when they can. So I think that'll be enough to get them across the line just in the final game of round 16. I'm going for Fremantle to win. Uh, by the narrowest margin of any side this round, six points, I reckon, the Dockers will get over the line by. Now, just having a look, have we tipped? I think we've tipped the same team every game. That might be a first. We don't actually disagree. Oh, no, sorry, very first game. You've gone for the Bulldogs. I've gone for Brisbane. Otherwise, our margins are very similar. Our margins are very similar, Grasshopper. Yeah. Which is... Uh, all right, <laughs> all right so I had enough of that torch analogy. Now, don't just hop off. This isn't a phone call. We're actually recording a podcast here, so we've got to do a <laughs> semi-professional <laughs> sign-off, Robert. You sound like you're on the phone to your mate. Okay, mate, see you later. No, we're recording a <laughs> podcast. So everyone, we, we could cut this bit and uh, make it... So, but I want everyone to have a look at how natural and casual and laid back this whole thing is. I'm going to leave this part in. 
just to show how, we're, but you can take it a bit far. So just remember, we're recording a podcast here. We're not on a phone call. All right. All right. Uh, that is it for the preview of round 16. Uh, thanks for your support, everyone. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors at Palmerbet, uh, where you get tackle busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, you can support this podcast financially yourself if you were so moved to do so. And why wouldn't you? you? You get tortured analogies about 70s TV shows, stupid references to bands, and you get uh, uh, Indigenous footballers mixed up with Pakistani top-order batsmen. Why wouldn't you listen <laughs> to this? <laughs> And if you're asking, I am going to explain that. If you're asking what the hell are you talking about, that is uh, Jamara Eugle Hagen, uh, who you dubbed briefly <laughs> Jamara Al Hagen. <laughs> anyway, who knows? You just get to our age and word associations, the uh, yeah. order of the day. Well, at least we can laugh at ourselves, Rob, uh, along with everyone else laughing at us. No, um, all good stuff. Uh, stop brushing things off the table, Robert. Oh, you can hear it. No, I was, I was just, uh, I forgot this is a podcast. I'm not on the phone. No, I was just putting a line through some of our comments that we've written. So I don't go over them again. Thanks, mate. No, no, no. no, Thanks, mate. No, don't hang up. Don't hang up. We're still signing off. Uh, You can support us via the ACAST supporter page anywhere you listen to this podcast. Uh, and you can become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent media. And those links are all over the Footyology website, footyology.com.au, for all your quality reading needs. We offer quality, not clickbait. Uh, thanks for your time, everyone. Hope your side gets a win up this weekend. And we'll be back on Sunday evening to talk about it all as we review round 16. Uh, okay, Rob, I'm going now. Uh, can I know, hang up my phone yeah, now? you can hang up the, hang up your phone and turn off your crystal set. Uh, See we'll you, ca- Ron. We'll catch you later.